0: Next time on Right on Cue. Donald Trump announces a 2024 presidential election bid. Lauren, Bobber, Berber, 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 Lauren B. wins the Colorado seat, I think. And we talk what's next for Nancy Pelosi, her new podcast, her starring role on Zootopia Plus, and her family. Next time on Right on Cue. What's going on? It's Quinn David Furnace. Welcome to my show. Quinn David Furnace presents the Beantown Podcast for Friday, November 18th, 2022. What's going on? How are you? My name is Quinn, and this is my show. I am the creative director, the costume designer, makeup, and special effects on this program. Quinn David Furnace presents the Beantown Podcast. And uh, it's Friday. It's 4.40 in the afternoon, and it is dark outside, my friends. Just went out to grab a, a a pair of big gulps after our workouts this afternoon. Nothing says refresh, rejuvenate, regenerate like two large diet cokes from the 7-Eleven on Clark Street. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now it's gonna be a short installment. Why is that? I'm feeling very crappy. Uh, kind of you know flu-like symptoms that sort of deal. Uh, it's not COVID according to the tests, which is good news. But and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this much, like in the grand scheme of things, I feel a lot better right now than I did 24 hours ago. 24 hours ago, I was uh, lying on the floor of my office with the door closed and the lights turned off and I was lying flat on my office floor using my cardigan as a pillow uh, because that's just how bad I felt. I couldn't go to kickball last night. I couldn't do any of that stuff. Um, And it was a total bummer, too, that this happened this week because we had our uh, Christmas, our holiday party. Can't say Christmas party anymore, even though we're a Catholic school. We had our Christmas party uh, yesterday, which was, uh, you know, open alcohol, all that stuff, uh, good stuff, and uh, just couldn't enjoy it, unfortunately, because... Just uh, felt like crap So that's where we're at But we're toughing toughing it out Last night was one of those tough Delirious nights where uh, You know, I was running Not a crazy fever, like 101, right? So it's, you know, you're not like sweating Through your pillow and stuff But you just, I always found that tough In the winter especially It's tough to get the the temperature right Your head will just be like burning But your arms will have the chills Uh, There was one point in the night Right after I think Rachel crawled into bed where I just like could not stop shaking. It was it was terrible. And then, you know, you're waking up every 5 seconds. You feel like you're not sleeping at all. It's not not, you know, completely true, but you know, you're sneezing randomly, you're coughing randomly. It's just hard to get into that uh that REM rhythm, if you will. So I'm doing okay today. Finished up work here. Unfortunately, I have to work tomorrow. That's the biggest bummer. I you know, I don't usually do work events. Uh, on campus, traveling all the way downtown and stuff when I'm feeling under the weather and I've got, you know, moderate a panel and all that stuff that I got to do. Uh, so we're just going to, it's going to be an adventure. Uh, for the most part, I'm usually one of those people who like when there's stuff that has to get done, like it has to happen. I'm usually pretty good at sort of rising to that occasion, uh, but we'll be tested tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. It's It's a bummer, you know, I think everyone's getting sick a little bit. Right now, there's a lot of flu going on, a lot of COVID, a lot of RSV, which I was reading about today. There's a lot of that going through schools in particular. And I was sick, you know, when when we went to New York, which was, uh, you know, it was like October 14th, 15th. So basically a month ago, I had a cold then too, that I got kind of on the plane right there and uh, was finally all better by like, the Tuesday or Wednesday, so five or six days later. So I thought I was kind of in the clear for the most part with a lot of that stuff, but not, not the case. But we'll be okay. We'll be fine. Listener discretion is advised when you listen to the Beantown podcast. Number one, we'll occasionally use some language. Number two, this podcast is objectively terrible, and again, going to be a shorter show, going to be a little lower energy show, and that's just... You know what we don't do on the Bean Town Podcast? We don't miss shows. I'm not planning on doing that gimmicky thing where you bring in a guest host until at least year 10, right? I'm thinking reasons why we need a guest host. Death, Um, you know, although if I have fair enough warning, I might be able to write, you know, a couple thousand episodes and then just have an AI chatbot read it or something. That's something to consider, being talent podcast never has to end uh despite you know the death of 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 host uh if i prepared enough now preparation isn't always the name of the game on this show uh see today's episode but you know something to consider uh other things maybe the birth of a child although i don't know i suppose i could do it from the waiting room so we'll see how rachel feels like that uh, feels about that i'll run it by her uh but i just got to find the right time I think is really the, the biggest consideration. Um tonsillitis is a classic one. I don't I, I had tonsillitis both years I lived in Baltimore. So I guess I think I recall doing this episode. The second time I had it was year one of the Beantown podcast. And I think I remember that episode it was really sad to listen to. Uh probably one of my two hundred fifty worst episodes at least. So apologize retroactively for that. If you're just launching into the anthology of Beantown episodes, that one's a dud when you get there. What are we actually talking about today? Well, not much. We went to Arcade Fire last Saturday. It was a good time, good show. I got to say, in spite of all the allegations and stuff, they, uh, and they're touring quite heavily, they still put on a fantastic show. Um, you know, it was, it was, is different this time around versus last time, uh, Will Butler, Northwestern alum, younger brother of Win Butler, kind of the face of the franchise. They're no longer in the band. He left back in like January. And so they got a new guy who's kind of doing a lot of the stuff that he does, but they had a great balance of, of songs across albums. They didn't ignore, um, you know, everything now. Which was a critically panned album they they put out right before this current one called We. Um, they played a lot of uh, a lot of songs that I really like, and definitely a couple that I didn't expect, like We Exist, which is uh, the second song off Reflector. It's a song about trans rights, more or less, and the music video is great. It's got Andrew Garfield, so go check that one out if you haven't already uh but yeah they were they were a good time for sure uh and then sunday oh man the game of the year vikings versus bills inexplicably a noon start time in buffalo a couple of snow flurries coming down it was it was wild going into it man i knew when the schedule was released you knew this was going to be the toughest game of the year. Like there are, there are games where it's like, okay, you should win this one. Like you're hosting Detroit. There are games that are, you know, toss ups like this one, home versus the Cowboys. There are games where it's like, it's going to be tough to win this. Like when we went to Philly in week two and we did not win. And then there are, you know, there's usually one to two games on your schedule each year where you're just like, there's really no way in hell that we could ever win this game. So Let's just see how we do, and that so that was kind of you know how everyone felt. That wasn't uh, me being a Debbie Downer, uh, but going into Buffalo, most most people's Super Bowl pick for this year. And you know they've had a couple of hiccups throughout the year, but they were still heavily favored. The interesting thing going into this one, among many other storylines, was that their star quarterback Josh Allen, the Wyoming uh, Cowboy himself has a UCL injury, which is some sort of ligament or something in your elbow. It's this thing that leads to Tommy John surgery amongst baseball players, but not very common amongst football players. And so the whole narrative going into it, the Bills are being very sneaky, very secretive, no one knew if Josh Allen was going to play. When he's on, uh, along with Mahomes, he's, you know, one of the the two best quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, But Josh Allen brings something a little bit extra, uh that Mahomes doesn't in that they're both good rushers, but Josh Allen is a tank. He's like six five two forty, kind of call pepper esque. So when he gets moving, and you saw this in the game, uh, but he, you don't just like hit Josh Allen and he goes down. I mean, if he's moving downfield with speed, um, you just try to get a hold of him and hope that someone else comes and helps you out. Um so we go, we go into this game, especially when they announced that Josh Allen was starting thinking, you know, we're going to do our best, but we really just want to see, like, can we, let's take, you know, let's take some temperature on this 2022 team. Cause they're hot, you know, they're, they're grabbing a lot of headlines, but you know, have they actually beat that many good teams? And I would say yes and no, but you know, it was just like, let's try to stay within two scores of these guys. Well, get the ball first. And in classic Vikings fashion, go down, at least this year, go down, score a touchdown with Justin Jefferson. Like, the Vikings are so good at that, it's unbelievable, uh, which inevitably means tomorrow versus the Cowboys or Sunday versus the Cowboys. They're going to go three and out on their opening drive, and we're all going to hit the panic button. So they go up 7-0. Next thing you know, they kick off to the Bills, and I think they returned it like and got a personal foul, next and i think it's yeah it wasn't even a personal foul it was they called a horse collar but it wasn't so the bills literally started at the vikings like 40 yard line next thing you know boom tied up seven seven they're running it down our throats couple possessions later boom 14 to seven and it's just like this is all right it was fun for about two minutes at the start of the game and now it's less fun i should say i went to for the second time this year, I went to Route 66, which took over from uh, uh, Redmond's as the official Vikings bar here in Chicago. Went th- we Rachel and I went there for the first time uh, for our Vikings game. I've been there other times for the the Vikings Bears game, and it was pretty quiet in there. Um, I don't know exactly. Yeah, I I guess at the time I just thought okay, this is just kind of the normal vibe. Went this time, and I still got there 20 minutes before the game. And I barely got one seat at the end of the bar. It was just crowded in there standing room only all that good stuff um so I mean a completely different vibe, which ended up being great, but just i I didn't expect that going in um but i was I was there flying solo. Rachel was uh doing some family stuff so it's fourteen seven Both of the bills touchdowns have been on the ground, and you're just thinking like. Josh Allen probably isn't 100%. That's probably why they're, you know, just running it so much. Like, if we can't, if we can't stop their run game with, you know, uh, Devin Singletary, like, it's just not going to go well. Like, that's the one thing the Vikings need to be able to do. No one says that they have a great, like, amazing uh, rush defense, but they just, you know, if, if they can't, and most, this is how it works for most teams, if you can't stop their rushing attack, especially a team like the Bills that, traditionally does not um you know do great with their rushing attack i don't know why that is but they're just not um not a great rushing team it's like well we're screwed so early on in the uh, second quarter they grab another field goal 17 to 7 you're thinking like okay at least we we kept them out of the end zone this time uh we ended up driving down the field and uh, getting a touch or a, a field goal rather we got real close to the end zone, but qu- couldn't quite punch it in. So it's seventeen ten, and then uh, I don't try to remember exactly what happened. Basically, late late in the first half, down seventeen ten, we were driving down the field. Looked like we were, you know, gonna at least get it to within four at halftime. But in theory, tie it up with a touchdown. And I think we turned it over on downs i can't remember kirk Cousins at this point had already thrown one really bad interception where he had kj just floating across the middle and he just way overthrew him right into the safety's hands like kj had plenty of space and kirk just totally air air milled it so that was discouraging so i think i think this was late in the first half when the vikings had third and one Incomplete pass, fourth and one incomplete pass. So they turn it over. Next thing you know, Bills drive it all the way downfield, score touchdown right as time expires, uh, right before time expires. So it's 24 10 at half, and you're thinking on the road, I think the Bills got the ball to start the second half. It's just, it's going to be rough. Uh, so, you, you know, third quarter's going. I think it was in the third quarter when uh, Kirk threw to one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see and the explanation was essentially is very straightforward he thought that the bills defender was a vikings receiver and let me tell you when you're a quarterback and you're trying to complete passes and you're intentionally trying to throw it to the defender it's hard any you know any wide receiver who's been in football for 10 20 30 years will tell you it's tough to make catches when the ball is actually intended for the defender. So not one of Kirk's finest moments. That was his second interception of the game. And uh, that was uh, Bill's got another field goal out of that. So in classic Vikings fashion, uh, the second-half defense starting to clamp down. They're still giving up yards, but they're not giving up touchdowns. And I don't want to spoil anything for you, but... That touchdown they gave up right at the end of the first half was the last time the Bills would sniff the end zone. Um, at at one point, I think maybe it was still when it was, you know, twenty four to ten, like early in the third quarter, Josh Allen threw a end zone interception to Patrick Peterson. They looked like basically they were about to go for the dagger and they didn't get it. So that's interception one by Patrick Peterson off Josh Allen. So the Bills kick this field goal with 145-ish left in the third quarter. They're up 27-10. All of a sudden, you're down three scores. Your offense has only put up three points since the opening drive, and it's almost the fourth quarter, and you just look dead in the water. Well, literally on the first play from scrimmage, after the Bills go up 27-10, you hand it off to Dalvin. He makes a man miss. Boom, boom, boom looks like it's 2017 again. Delvin Cook to the house, 81 yards I believe it was. And all of a sudden 27-17 and you're thinking, okay, like we're still going to need a miracle or two probably to get back into this game, but at least we're not dead. And that's what I love about these Minnesota Vikings. They uh they take some punches, but they don't give up. Uh and kudos to Delvin Cook cuz he he's gotten a lot of shit this year. Um so the Vikings defense continues to hold. Next thing you know, it's about five minutes left. Uh, they drive down the field, a very methodical, uh, well, well, you know, developed drive. And uh, Ham himself, CJ, punches in, in his first rushing touchdown since 2017, I think it was. So it's 20, uh, 23, 27, pending the extra point. And in classic Greg fashion, he misses the extra point. Greg Greg finds a way to miss at least one. Vital extra point every other game. It's just sort of in his DNA. I know that there are other kickers out there who miss kicks too, but, man, Greg is just not having a good year. He's putting money on field goals inside of 50. But not good above 50 and a total roulette on extra points. So it's 27-23. 23 and uh, there's about four, four and a half minutes left. And so now you're at the point of the game where you're like, oh, shit, like it's this late. We still have all three timeouts. But it's really just going to be one of those things where the Bills just need like two, maybe three first downs. and And that's like actually the end of the game. So somehow the Vikings come out and you might be wondering where what happened to the Bills run game this whole time. I don't know either. And I think that's the reason they lost, because they just stopped running it. It it wasn't any it wasn't like, oh, let's sprinkle it in. I don't know how many rushes they had in the second half that weren't Josh Allen's scrambles. I mean, James Cook, I think, had one or two touches, Dalvin's younger brother, and uh, Zach Moss plays for the uh, Colts now, right? He's not even on the team. Naeem Hines didn't rush it. He had one catch, uh, and Singletary just kicked ass in the first half. I mean, he must have had at least 50 or 60 yards in the first half, and then... Uh, and two touchdowns, right? And then he just touched the ball probably once or twice in the second half. I I don't know the exact stats on this, but I can't imagine the Bills had more than I don't know four, five non-Josh Allen runs in the second half. I don't think that's an exaggeration. And overtime, spoiler alert, we're going there. Um, so Vikings drive it all the way down. Um, I can't uh, I, I can't not mention the greatest catch of the year. It's fourth and 18. They had just gotten sacked twice, and uh, Kirk Cousins just kind of threw it up. We could do a whole podcast about this play, but I'm not going to. Kirk just kind of threw it up for Jefferson. Uh, in between four defenders, he reaches up with one hand. There's the defender behind him who gets two hands on it, they go to the, uh, the ground. They're wrestling for it, and somehow JJ makes the catch, takes it away. It was amazing one of the greatest things you'll ever see if you haven't seen it you got to go watch it immediately literally just youtube justin jefferson catch next play goes to thielen for 10 yards and he gets a late hit out of bounds so that's a, uh, a 25 yard play next thing you know they are all the way down there somehow down 27 23 it's under a minute left now you're in a situation where the bills are using their timeouts um because they want to, you know, they don't want the Vikings to score a touchdown with zero seconds on the clock. So there's just a lot of that type of gamesmanship with the clock going on. Third, it's, it's a third, third down, I think. And uh, Vikings throw a a slant route to Justin Jefferson. He scores a touchdown to put us up. It's amazing. But the replay comes in from above and uh, turns out uh, he was short by a half an inch. So When it's under two minutes uh, in either half or in overtime, there's no challenges. All replays come from the booth, which will come into play multiple times later. Actually, it won't come into play, and that's the problem, and we'll get to that in a second. So it turns out it's fourth and one from the half-inch line, game on the line. If you get it, you go up with about 30 seconds left. If you don't get it, uh, then it's game over because you're out of timeouts, and the Bills can just take a knee, so they do a QB sneak from the half inch line. Kirk Cousins looked like he got it. They've ruled that he did not get it. And of course, on those types of plays, when there's a million bodies in there, um, it's really hard to just overturn it because you can't really see where the ball is. So they give it to the Bills with what there's about 40 seconds left, 30, 40 seconds, and on the first play, all the Bills have to do is literally take like I think with the time on the clock, they had to take two knees. Well. Fumbled snap, one of the most unbelievable things you'll ever see, like an all-time, is it a high-pressure, high-stress situation for the Bills? Yes, but one of the all-time gaffes you'll ever see. Josh Allen not only fumbles the snap, but the Vikings, and Eric Kendricks in particular, managed to land on the football and everyone's thinking, like, oh, it's chaotic. Like, could this be a safety? that will get the Vikings within two with only about 35, 40 seconds left. That, you know, that would be amazing. But it's even better than that. Somehow it's a touchdown because Eric Hendricks recovered it. And Greg hits this extra point, thank God. So it's 30-27. You're thinking they're going to win. Uh, well, the Bills, even with no timeouts, like the Chiefs are, and, like, old Aaron Rodgers are just... Capable of getting down the field in an insane, sanely small amount of time, which they do. But it's not, you got to mention that they had this huge chunk play to Gabe Davis that uh, in real time looked like a catch, but you could also tell it was kind of iffy. And you figure, well, we just got to review that, right? The ref's got to stop it from upstairs and we'll take a look. And uh, replay showed you clearly did not catch it. Well, the uh, refs did not stop the play, and the Bills just kept driving down the field, which is just kind of like not good, right? Because one quick replay angle showed he didn't catch it, and the Vikings can't stop it. They're not allowed to challenge it. And New York just said, no, we need the Bills to win this game. So they just kept playing. Bills end up getting all the way down to, like, the – I don't know, it was like the 10-yard line or something, uh, which was scary as hell um, on a on a pass interference call. But there were only about five seconds left, and so they could have gone for the win right there, but they opted to kick a field goal. It's good, send it to overtime. Vikings get the ball first in overtime. They're hot on their drive. Dalvin's pounding it. It's a reminder, in regular season, a touchdown first wins the game. In the playoffs, they've changed it to where if you score a touchdown, the other team gets a chance to possess but that uh, is not applicable to the regular season. So Vikings get all the way down. It's first and goal from like the two, and they hand it off to Dalvin. He gets absolutely stuffed back to like the four or five. Well, turns out the Bills were playing with 12 men on defense and not just like, you know, most times when there's 12 men where you got 11 playing and there's one guy running off and he doesn't quite get off. They lined up with 12 in the box just casually i don't know if that was a miscommunication on their part or if they had been already informed by the refs that hey just play with 12 you'll be good um another play that's a you know five-yard penalty should have been for should have gotten the vikings to the one-yard line should have been first down um and it's it's reviewable too right it's not like most penalties where it's not reviewable. Um, this one is, and New York just said, no, we're not going to do it. It's literally one of the referees' jobs on every play to count the players on the field, <coughs> and also someone's job in New York. So, look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but um, the fact that there are multiple of those plays, that it's New York's responsibility to stop and review and they just decided not to... Um, that's about all the evidence I need, frankly. So next play, they get sacked. They got to end up kicking a field goal. It's terrible because you're just like, well, Josh Allen's just going to go down and score a touchdown. It's going to be the game. And they get all the way down there. It's second and 10 from like the 10-yard the line, 15-yard line maybe. And again, they could kick a field goal to tie uh, with about... Two, three minutes left in in uh, overtime, and there are ties in overtime, or they score a touchdown to win. Next thing you know, Josh Allen doesn't see Patrick Peterson, terrible throw into the end zone. Play before, I'll mention. Uh great pass breakup by Duke Shelley, who the Vikings brought up off the practice squad the day before, uh, off Dawson Knox. One on one coverage, amazing stop to save the game. Next pass, Patrick Peterson, end zone interception game over vikings win the craziest game of the year they're eight and one now the packers lost last night to the titans they're four and seven so the vikings have a six game lead on the on the uh, packers with a game (coughs) in hand and uh their magic number is three so if they win this week and next week, and the Packers lose next week, and the Packers play the Eagles, then their division is clinched with, uh, what, six games left to go for the Vikings? Is that right? How many games do they have left? They're 8-1, and one, so they have eight games left. Yeah, so they could clinch the division with six games left to go. The Lions would have to lose as well because Lions and the Packers have the same record, but really not too worried about it. So that's that's the football action. Let's pause for a quick uh, nose blow break. Oh man, garage band is failing me. Uh I wanted to say the only other thing I wanted to uh yeah, garage band literally just crapped out. Got to stay strong, baby. We got 5 minutes left. Uh Real Hospice of Salt Lake City has gone just berserk this season, especially the last two episodes there's been a big shift. Um, and I was reading online, some people were saying it had to do with like when, uh, when Jenny got kicked off the show, <coughs> and they thought they needed to bring more people on. I don't know exactly what it is, but they brought on just a, like three different friends of, and it's going to get even more confusing because two of them are named Angie. And I think we talked about this once on a previous show, but there's Angie K, Angie H, and then this other one, Dana. D A N N A which I know what you're saying that's not a name well welcome to Salt Lake City baby <laughs> so it's a lot to try to keep up with these new these new characters I won't lie to you I'm doing my best um and it's kind of interesting there's just like it's all kind of chaotic right now there aren't like clear storylines the feuds are not clear um you know, Heather and Whitney are in this tiff right now, but it really just seems like, uh, Heather is going through some shit, but it's not being like, you know, she's not being open about it. And so it's just kind of like you figure something's off with her, but you're just kind of speculating at this point. Lisa and Meredith aren't really like going head to head ever, but they're just not really talking to each other. I will say there was a super awkward, uh, boys lunch. So I'm always, I'm always pining for uh, something, you know, even a whole spinoff I would love where it's just the boys, Coach Shaw, John Barlow, Seth Marks, uh, Justin Rose. And uh, I guess those are the only boys right now. There's only four of them. And now they got those friends of husbands coming in too, and I don't know anything about them. Uh, But they had a lunch at uh, Coach Shaw's house barbecue looked pretty tasty but then Seth and John have this awkward thing because if you'll remember Lisa kind of uh, when she thought she was muted went off on on uh on Meredith and now Seth is just being really weird in this confrontation with John and he's I don't really know what Seth is trying to get out of it but John is basically just being like yeah Lisa said what she said like sorry about that it was awkward but like you know, that's not really me and Seth is just being like weird about it. I don't know what Seth wants to happen. Anyway, so that awkward confrontation happened while uh while the boys were having their lunch together, their barbecue lunch. And otherwise the show is just kind of in, in chaos right now. Heather's got her non religious choir going, they're singing songs, and uh Jen Shaw is just a mess finding someone different to yell at every time i will mention her sentencing is december 15th it's coming up hot it is going to be the event of the year it's going to be three weeks from thanksgiving i have it saved in my phone so i don't forget i am pumped for it excuse me a sneeze live on the bean town podcast and uh you got so we're throwing these friends of into the mix. Uh again, Meredith really has been given nothing to do this, this season. So it's just uh you know it's kinda it's you asked me, oh, what happened on this last week's episode, I'll tell you I really have no idea. But I know that I can't stop watching and I know that it's, it's chaotic. So that's where we're at with real real housewives of salt lake city and in fact we've reached the midway they've done their midway trailer which is hard to believe already won't be an episode next week there will be an episode of the beantown podcast next week next week is thanksgiving should be a good time looking forward to it and uh yeah i don't know what exactly our broadcast situation will be uh but there's sure to be some turkey some tryptophan some friends some family some laughs Speaking of friends and family, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, good friends of the Beantown Podcast, our friends at Home Pride Oregon. When you need your home inspected in Central Oregon, you need to call someone safe, certified. Call the expert, Steve, at 541-400-0316, or go to HomePrideOregon.com. Home Pride Oregon Inspection Perfection. Also, our good friends at Cuts by Q. When you need a fresh do something snappy or new, call the experts at Cuts by Q. And then finally, our good friends, the Samson Q2U Series, Speaking of biblical, there's a big Jeopardy controversy in the Tournament of Champions. Uh, Wednesday, I think it was, the final was basically asking which of Paul's epistles uh, has the most Old Testament quotations. And the uh, answer that they revealed was Hebrews. And uh, the correct answer is actually Romans. And the reason for that is not because Hebrews has fewer uh, Old Testament quotations than Romans, but because it's generally accepted at this point that uh, Paul did not write Hebrews. And so that shanked uh, Sam Buttrey, who has become America's sweetheart, Steve Martin, lookalike out of a win in the Tournament of Champions, which is a big deal. And uh, just a, a really bad gaff, G-A-F-F-E, from the Jeopardy! writers room. When God speaks, he uses the Samson. Thank you everyone for listening. You can always reach our show by emailing Beantown Podcast at Yahoo.com. Again, that's Beantown Podcast at Yahoo.com. You can also tweet at us for what it's worth while Twitter is still alive. I'm at BeantownCast. Personally, I'm at White Buns with a Z. I thought about doing this entire show not about the Vikings, but rather about how Twitter was falling apart. But then I decided like I just didn't really want to talk or think about it anymore, so I decided not to. Um And then you can always find us BeantownPodcast.com, latest episodes, Beantown blog, Cuts by Q style page, and our brand new Right on Q uh, segment page. Thank you to uh, the producers of that segment uh, for today's uh, little tidbit. That should be a good uh, segment coming up later uh, on the show. So that's what I got for you today, everyone. I hope you're a little bit healthier than I am. I hope you are uh, enjoying a Diet Coke while you're listening to the Beantown Podcast. Skull Vikes playing Cowboys this weekend, and then uh, Patriots on Thanksgiving night. Get out your turduckins; Should be good. Uh, That's what I have for you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy, and I'll check in on you next time. Bye.